0: The way the way the, the the example that was given to me in, in, in the source that I read is that um, so if you're in a if you're in a, a boat in a river and um, if you stop paddling you just go with the river and that's fine um, and if that river is the culture that goes with the faith then 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 you're okay but if that river is not a culture that goes with the faith then then you find you have to continually choose to make another paddle stroke against that culture. To, to to maintain your own position or not not to mention you can try to get ahead it becomes being a christian is very much an intentional reality today it's not just a, a happenstance
1: reality you searching for the meaning of life on
2: what certainties should we build our lives and the life
1: of the community to which we belong I have come to know among you nothing but Christ and him crucified. What matters is that I believe it, or rather know, not that I believe it, but that I believe it.
2: We have hope. Someone who's alive today could be a saint tomorrow. That makes sense.
1: That's why Jesus came on earth
2: In order to set them free with the truth of the gospel.
1: Well, hello everyone and welcome to Upfront with the Archbishop. My name is Jenny Conley, your host. The goal of Upfront is to... Bridge the gap between the hierarchy and the faithful by discussing the truth, beauty, and challenges of our Catholic faith. As per usual, I am here with Archbishop Richard Smith. Hey, Jenny. Hey, hello. And we are also joined by a special guest today. We are joined by Bishop Elect Gary Franken, who has just been named as the new bishop of the Saint Paul Diocese, which is uh, a sister diocese. A uh, Next door neighbor diocese of the Archdiocese of Edmonton, and he will be um, nominated. I was going to say nominated as the bishop, but what's the term?
2: Well, he's actually been nominated already. He's been nominated, ordained, Ordained. or he will be ordained as the bishop and installed. Yeah,
1: Yeah. installed as the bishop on December twelfth. Exciting stuff. Yes, it's coming up, (laughs) Um, and he's moving from the Archdiocese of Vancouver, where he is presently serving as the Vicar General. Um, and joining us nearby in St. Paul. So, uh, Bishop-Elect Gary, thank you for joining us.
0: glad to be with you. Yeah. Looking forward to being even closer <laughs> once I finally move.
1: Absolutely. Well, the first thing that popped into my head when I was thinking about having a discussion between yourself, Bishop-Elect, and Archbishop, was I've heard, and Archbishop Smith, I think it might have been you who mentioned this, but I've heard about this bishop school that you go to bishop school, you go to, do you go to the Vatican? There's something, there's some kind of particular training that happens in the process of being named as a bishop. Is that true?
2: It's uh, it's a name that we've, you know... Kind of jokingly given to this, it's it's a conference for new bishops. Okay, conference. And, okay. and I remember I, when I did it, many many twenty near gosh, twenty years ago now. I came back, and of course, all the priests in the diocese wanted to see the report card. Yeah, and I, and I said no. no you're, <laughs> not gonna, you're not you're not going to see. Well,
1: you did get it. graded.
2: No, okay. we don't get graded. But they,
1: they. <laughs> he's a C minus bishop, but we'll let him go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let
2: uh, yeah. Well, we just kind of will pass him through. It's uh, it's a conference that's put on by the Dicastery for bishops every year for those who are recently nominated. And it's it, they, you go to Rome and you just have a series of uh, talks from Vatican officials or other bishops that may come into Rome for this, just to give a general introduction to the life of the bishop. I, the, the great thing about it is that you get to meet other bishops who have been nominated at the same time as yourself, and you start to develop that that fraternity, that network, that's really so important for the ongoing life of a bishop. So bishop like Gary, that awaits you. I guess at yes. this stage would be next it, fall, probably, would it?
0: Yeah, the, it, it happened this year uh, in a couple installments because it was the first time they had it after uh, a break over a couple of years due to COVID. Oh, yeah. And so it happened uh, early September, and I was uh, nominated uh, on September fifteenth. So, so I'm going to get the first year uh, as a bishop in St. Paul without having been a bishop school. Um, how do how, how we'll look after, after you? Be? Don't worry.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. We'll look after you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Very good. Very good. So you'll be I'm able to kind of break.
1: You'll be able to break break yourself in before you present yourself to the to, to the Vatican, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that'll
2: help you with the testing, and I'll, but I'll want to see your report card too. Yeah, when we there out.
1: we go. We'll publish it here <laughs> on the podcast. You guys <laughs> well, can compare <laughs> report cards.
0: <laughs> that'll be fun. Well, yeah. I, I'm just looking forward to telling everyone in St. Paul. Sorry, I have not been the Bishop School. I don't know what I'm supposed to say to this or that. <laughs> but no, um. It's been a privilege here in Vancouver working with uh, a couple archbishops so um, I, have a, I have a bit of a sense of, of what I'm getting into, but uh, I must admit um, this is the, the, yeah yeah St Paul Alberta will be a very good breath of fresh air for me after years in a city and uh, and yeah the environment here is quite different in that regard.
2: So tell us what you're doing. You're the vicar general, right, up until recently?
0: Yes. The last six, six years I've been vicar general. I'm also a pastor in a small parish. Mm-hmm. And so a vicar general is the priest that the archbishop or bishop uh, by canon law has, as his, um, in one sense, a uh, replacement or alter ego or the person that he can pass anything on to that he needs to Um It might be too much to say. uh, I think it definitely is too much to say second in command because you you would have many others that you would be relying on in the area of finance, education, uh, development, and all those things. But yeah, it's kind of a VP kind of role if I were to give it a secular connotation. Um, So it's been a a neat experience um, working with a very, very, uh, very gifted Archbishop here, Archbishop Michael Miller, and. And uh, and having been around with a couple of other archbishops before that, too, but not in this specific role.
1: And, and the vicar general, uh, do you find as, as you're moving into this new season of, of, of being a bishop yourself, is there a sense of uh, a mentorship as a vicar general? Do you find that there's uh, there's been a lot of experiences and um, even just practical skills that have kind of been fed to you through that role that will play into what you're doing now?
0: Yes, it, it isn't like officially a mentorship, but it's definitely something that brings you into that kind of experience. Um, you end up sitting as a vicar general on a lot of the different committees, so you're already kind of into the thick of things that way. And then if the bishop's not there, or the archbishop's not there, then you then you're officially replacing him there. But um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, different whether it's finance or, of course, uh, different episcopal conference. Uh, Committees or committee uh, councils and stuff, um, and then it's just the things that the, that that any bishop would pass on to his vicar general. Every bishop will do that differently, um, depending on the bishop's talents and the vicar general's talents, and just the, how 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 that day might be going. But uh, um, so you know, catching up with different priests or different parishes or different situations and trying to to troubleshoot to um, to be present uh, with hopefully a listening and a wise and yes, to to try to bring something through that maybe has hit a snag or whatever.
2: Yeah. I think that's going to prepare you really well because you've, you've uh, worked very closely with the archbishop there, uh, giving you a sense of the overall challenges that can come by way to a diocese. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and whether the diocese is large, small urban rural, many of those challenges are the same. So I think, uh, you've been well prepared in that sense but also i think another really important preparation for you is the fact that you've been a parish priest can you say a little bit about that your experience um, as a, as a yeah, pastor yeah
0: that's that's the easiest place to uh to 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 hang your heart so to speak because mm-hmm. you're 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 in a community of the faithful and yeah it's the day-to-day life it's the worship it's the it's the evangelizing it's it's all the things that are going on and yeah it keeps my feet on the ground and my heart alive. Um, if I were only an office person, um, th- th- there would be a bit more of a challenge to make sure I stay connected rather than just deal with issues. And so, being a parish priest has been, has been, yeah, very, very good for me and uh, and, and and a great privilege.
2: It's wonderful because what people look for from their bishop and, and from their parish priest too, of course, but from their bishop is um, a man of the heart. A man who can speak from his heart to theirs, and and for you to have had that that hands-on experience of the day-to-day life of the people, the challenges of the people, their questions of faith, etc. Um, that's that's going to set you very very well to be the real shepherd, the real pastor for the people, and and also for your priests. It'll be really, I think, consoling and encouraging for the priests to know that you know what they go through. You know what their life is because you've lived it yourself as a parish priest. And and that instantly right. creates a beautiful bond, a connection between a bishop and his priest.
0: That will be very, very good. I look forward to that.
2: So how are you feeling yeah. now about all of this? It's a little new?
0: Uh, it's very new. Um, I, 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 I've i taken it to prayer at different times. You go on a retreat before you you get ordained a bishop, just as you do before being ordained, ordained a deacon or a priest. And so that was a, a privileged moment of time away and, and reflection. And, and there, there are some things that, as we've mentioned, that I've lived or done that kind of like, okay, um, I'm not overly intimidated. I mean, this is going to be big and different, yes. But what always hits me as like, this is brand new, is, is the term success for the apostles. That's like, um, I mean, priests and deacons share in the apostolic ministry but, but a bishop as a successor of the apostles um I'm sorry I wish We do to turn it over to you how what, what's what's that like <laughs> that's that's such a, a title uh, I mean like you know there, there is there 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 are the apostles and they've got their writings in the New testament and, and and thanks be to God their their foibles are recorded in the gospels and, and our lord's continuing um patience with them but uh, it's like okay god um what are you getting me into? <laughs>
2: well that's the kind of thing you discover day by day that's and and you continue to discover day by day we were talking a minute ago about bishop school and mm-hmm. i remember when i came back i was talking to a senior bishop he said i'm just back from bishop school he said huh every day is bishop school <laughs> but but it's true i mean you you're learning day by day by day and uh yes. successor to the apostles it it certainly can be an intimidating kind of a of a a thought when you consider all that's involved in that. But where I find the consolation is to make the link as you just did in the scriptures with the, with the foibles, with the weakness, with the the lack of understanding of the the apostles as human beings and how really they came to life as apostles post Pentecost through the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is given to you, which is given to us at ordination. And there's our there's our consolation. There's our hope. We remain, humanly speaking, very weak and needy. And yet, if the Lord is calling us to whatever ministry it might be, He never fails to equip us with what we need. And that's something that I I've learned, and I continue to to learn to rely upon day by day by day. Just keep asking the Lord, make me the possible that, that you have called me to be. The other the other dimension of that, of course, is that when you come in. Um, as as a as a bishop you're 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 initiated into a college. it's the College of Bishops it's the college of Bishops that collectively succeeds to that original college of apostles around jesus so you, what that means practically speaking is that we never act alone, never alone. It's always in communion with our brother bishops and ultimately in communion with and under the authority of the successor of St Peter, the key apostle, the first apostle. Mm-hmm and and that gives i think a wonderful sense of encouragement and hope to know that whenever these challenges come before us and they're new every day and we're trying to figure out what to do we take it to prayer but we take it to one another and how is the lord leading us through all of this and and it and it doesn't rest just with us at the level of bishops we have priests as our counselors and as our advisors and and we keep gathering around ourselves very very Competent, experienced, and devoted lay people with wonderful, wonderful wisdom and experience and intelligence, and and put it all out on the table with one another, think it all through, and the answer starts to emerge about the where, where the Lord wants us to go. Doesn't mean that the bishop is simply a facilitator. No, the bishop is the bishop, right, and he is the one who ultimately determines what the direction is. But that's never to be done in isolation, either isolation from other other bishops or the or the people that are around you. And uh, I, I just find it so, so encouraging and enlightening and and um, fortifying, really, when I have these experiences like that communally and discern together how the Lord's working and then feel the, the saving help of His grace as we do move forward.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I, I did go out to St. Paul uh, for several days in October, um, Sunday Thanksgiving weekend, the afternoon till Tuesday night. So I got to meet the priest there, which was very good and uh, very... Yeah, just a, an easy and uh, happy um, introduction to them. But I also met the pastoral staff, um, the staff of the pastoral center, and uh, and I've continued to work with them through this through this interim. And I must say, um, Bishop Terrio has definitely assembled, as you say, a very good, uh, a very good group of just really fun and dedicated people. It's it's, it's really good. Yeah, it, it's 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 very very positive.
2: Of course, the key yeah. question on the minds of Albertans is, <laughs> "Do you have a truck?" Of course. Well, oh, <laughs> of see course. now, look, you're that's in. That's
1: not that's not obvious for someone who's coming from Vancouver. <laughs> that's though. it. Oh. I drove a truck in Vancouver you once, and I in. got I got you many comments. <laughs> I can
2: tell you, I'm a disappointment <laughs> to many many people here because I have yet to own a truck. I, well, I, I, that I would, would be a no. I was yeah. driven out to some uh, for rural parishes one time, and people went to the driver afterwards. Doesn't the archbishop have a truck? They couldn't, they couldn't get to minds. So this is very much an Alberta thing. And the second part of the question is, does your truck have a heater in it?
1: Uh,
0: yeah, A <laughs> <laughs> heater? well. The truck has a heater, and good. Uh, by God's good providence, th- this truck, this is my second truck, uh, it came with heated seats and a heated steering wheel. Oh. See so, now, God
2: so has a plan, right? And He God prepares the way. Look at that amazing even in, even the
0: little details it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's all it's all there in front of me. Yeah, yeah, you
1: said that you said that the move to Alberta was a breath of fresh air. It will be a breath of freezing cold air right now. No, <laughs>
2: it's just a little nippy around just here Just a no. little nippy. it's, it's well, nothing well, that a few layers of you know thermal layers under the crack yeah, can't goose remedy
1: down jacketing won't take care of
0: you, you, you know I've been given some some coats for winter uh, thus far <laughs> <as I've- laughs> see that's
1: the key the plural already <laughs>
0: And one of the neat things in the plural is that two of them uh, fit me just right. One of them's too large, so we will fit over one of the other ones when necessary. Perfect.
2: Good planning. So, so, good planning. You've been prepared you know, well. That's, again, that's Somebody's fun. giving I, you I, good coaching. Yep.
0: Yeah, they're, they're taking care of it. It's great.
1: You know, yeah. one thing that's it's popping into my head, too, is, I mean, for up front with the Archbishop, this show, at the beginning, we always say this, the purpose of this podcast is to bridge the gap between the hierarchy and the faithful. And that was the, the original sentiment at the beginning of the genesis of this, of this endeavor. And, um, my thought for you Bishop elect is having worked with Archbishop Miller and any other bishops that you've wor- worked, closely with. And as you anticipate this role that you are stepping into shortly, um, what is one or two ways that you've seen bishops that you admire, um, keep that closeness to their sheep, amidst the busyness, the demands of the role, and the fact that yeah, even just the schedule itself can make it harder to stay, you know, close to your sheep simply because you're on the move and there's a there's a lot required of one man.
0: Um, one thing Archbishop Miller has been very um, exemplary to me in that regard is he he does his best to say yes to every invitation to visit a parish or organization for any kind of event that's going on so there's a you know 50th anniversary at a parish or there's you know another anniversary at a school or a certain organization is having an event he he, he does his best to make sure that his calendar allows him to do that and uh that that's that, that that's something i'll have to really take a good look at maintaining rather than letting myself getting buried in whatever's just coming at me otherwise
1: archbishop Smith, when you, even whether it was in the season where you were preparing to be a bishop or even when you look at your brother bishops in the college, um, even in the CCCB, um, are there, is there particular elements, practices that you've seen other bishops um, carry that you admire in terms of staying close with their sheep?
2: I would say, I would echo what uh, Bishop Gary just said. It's that it's an attempt to be personally present. There's no, there's Mm -hmm. no substitute for that. It's a bit of a challenge for, for sure. Um, but to be personally present with the people, they get to, they get to look you in the eye, they get to hear the tone of your voice and so on, and, and, uh, really yeah. get an understanding from all of that about the heart of the Bishop. That's, that's what the people want to, want to see and experience. And that's a bit difficult to do just in letters, emails, um, various different forms of communication media that are out there today. I, I think it's, it's really critically important for bishops to use whatever means are at their disposal to draw close to their people. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some good uses that can be made of, of the communications world in that score, but n- nothing will ever really fully substitute for being personally present with the people.
0: Well, you've done having this podcast is a very good thing. Well, we hope we hope. hope
2: it's helpful. We hope it we mm. hope it works. Yeah.
1: Another thing that's is coming to me is it's my understanding, Bishop Elect, that you've had a long time role within priestly formation and working um, as a liaison between the archdiocese and retired priests. Is that correct?
0: Those two roles at different times, yes.
1: Is there a sense of intentionality within Canada? Um, to have a very cohesive way of forming priests, whether that's the culture of the seminary, um, the particular articulation of what the role of a priest is in a parish, or have you both found that there's a lot of diversity where you'll have priests coming from different dioceses and they honestly just have a a somewhat different picture of what it means to be a priest or how that practically looks in a parish?
2: I'll let Bishop, i Gary go first. He's our guest after all. (laughs)
1: um
0: my my experience in formation in that regard is a little more um just tied to our own diocese yeah um we're generally aware that uh different seminaries will have just just by way of their location and their staff etc a slightly different kind of uh, formation program and hence uh implicit vision of of what the priest is today Mm -hmm. um I, I think there is definitely a real attempt on the part of all the seminaries, from what I've seen, to 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 keep up with the reality of the new evangelization and of the the, the, the you know we're moving past Christendom to to uh, to something more akin to the apostolic era in terms of what it is to be church in the society we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but but on the whole, each seminary does just then carry on with its work. Um, as
2: it is. So, yeah. Archbishop? Well, there's an intentionality also universally within the church too to have a fundamental coherence, consistency across all seminaries and, and that's provided in a document called the Ratio for Priestly Formation okay. and it establishes the universal expectations and guidelines. Okay. And then every country has to take that and take a look at what might be some slight cultural adaptations on the basis of their experience or the variety of cultures that they would bring to this. But, those, those four fundamental areas of academic pastoral human spiritual formation yeah. mm-hmm. and and there are expectations of of coursework, for example, that are universal, yeah. so every seminary is going to be united in that sense by adherence to the ratio at the same time um, a seminary is going to develop its own how would I put it a host culture given who 's there mm-hmm. who are the, who are the people on the formation team, what are their personalities, who are there. As, as seminarians um, especially if there's, a, if there's a cultural mix among the seminarians uh, but I want to go back to Bishop Alec Gary's point with respect to commitment to the new evangelization mm-hmm. not only do I see that in the in the ratio and in everything that the church says about priestly formation it has to be geared to mission geared to finding new creative energetic ways to announce the gospel Um. But we also, at the same time, are finding that in our seminarians. I was, I was visiting the seminary at St. Joseph Seminary just the other day, and uh, just watch, I was just watching the uh, seminarians and chatting with a few of them. Good, solid guys, uh, balanced and really on fire. There is a zeal there to serve, to announce the gospel, and to do it together, almost like a band of brothers. It's very, very encouraged and edified by what I saw there in the seminary. So, so you're going to find, um, yes, a fundamental coherence across all seminaries, but they're they're going to develop their own sense of life, you know, within the within the house of the seminary, depending on the personalities that are there too.
1: Yeah, uh, Bishop Elect, you mentioned the that we've we've left Christendom, and that. We're in this era where it's much more akin to the apostolic era. Can you explain a little bit what you mean by that, and uh, and how that would affect how a priest is formed?
0: Oh well, that's two questions. Let me try the first one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, The
0: the latest thing I read uh, that I think presented that in a way that uh, that really hit home for me um, uh, brought out the fact that you know in Christendom. The underlying vision that everyone is living by, even if it's not explicit in their thinking, has to do with the fact that there's a God, and there's life here, and there's going to be some sort of accountability for that afterwards, and, and there's some sort of hope in in someone that, that we all celebrate at Christmas and we remember at Easter, even if people might not be a practicing Christian. But, but that, that kind of forms the backdrop the, the, the milieu in which a lot of other things are, are, are lived. And, uh, and, okay, so we still like doing Christmas. Um, I don't know what, what, how Easter is for, for the society in which we live, um, but we definitely like Christmas. It, it, it's, it's more uh, uh, a way of thinking in which each individual Um, gets to choose or make the reality in which they're living, Um, whether it's all the way from um, what we hear in reference to gender issues today or going all the way to just, um, you know, a celebration of of one's life in in terms of um, someone's died and the reality is we're just looking back on what they did and saying wasn't that neat, but we're not looking ahead to, to the hope that they have for not just more, but <laughs> but, but but eternity in God and God and, and part of the the, the Trinity of love. Um, and so the way the way the, cult, the the example that was given to me in, in, in the source that I read is that um, so if you're in a if you're in a, a boat in a river and um, if you stop paddling, you just go with the river and that's fine. Um, and if that river is the culture that goes with the faith, then, then, then you're okay. But if that river is not a culture that goes with the faith, then, then you find you have to continually choose to make another paddle stroke against that culture to, to, to maintain your own position, or not, not to mention even try to get ahead. And, and that becomes a lot of—being uh, becomes being a Christian is very much an intentional reality today. It's not just a, a happenstance reality. We've been doing a census here every year for about the last decade on the two weekends after Canadian Thanksgiving, and uh, and, and 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 the numbers are indicating that yeah, yeah, um, we 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 need to work at welcoming and helping people understand and choose and live the faith. And then they'll come to Mass as opposed to, well, Mass is just part of daily life or, or weekly life
1: for people. So to use your metaphor of the river, Christendom is was almost like the river was Christian. I mean, even if you were just yeah. going to float along, you'd probably get pulled towards Christian norms, Christian principles. But now, as we are in, in this kind of new apostolic era, as you said, the river isn't Christian. If, you, if you're if you not paddling, you're probably going to get pulled away from Christianity. That's the most likely reality. Is that is that accurate to what you were saying?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so I guess when you're talking about forming priests that are serving and ministering and preaching within this new, within a very much not baseline Christian culture, it's going to look a lot different than priests who were operating in an era where it was pretty much taken for granted that you're talking to people who believe in God and have some semblance of Christian morality.
2: Well, you know, yes. I think the um, the challenge there was well articulated by uh, the theologian Carl Rahner, probably 60-some years ago now, and he was looking ahead to what the church is likely to be, likely to be facing, and the role in the life of the priest in that context. And the way he put it was, in the past, to use, loosely use the term Christendom, when, when people generally in society had a pretty good sense of what the church is, stands for. They would understand the life of the priest within a prior reference to the church. Mm -hmm. But he said in the future, and this is what we're experiencing now, the dynamic is the reverse. God, church, faith is less and less on people's radar. And so they don't have that prior reference point in seeking to understand the role of the priest. So now it's reversed so that people will come to know the church through the priest. The priest is the one who is first encountered, right? And he therefore in himself bears this extra responsibility through his person, through his preaching, through his actions of representing Christ first, but also representing the church. And so when one is being formed for the priesthood, one needs to understand this very, very different context now for which they are being formed. And it's something that long-standing priests need to continue to be continually formed in? How do I, in my interaction with a culture that is increasingly irreligious and indifferent to matters of faith, how am I going to be standing forth as the one who represents the Lord, represents the Church, and through whom Christ and the Church become known? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an opposite dynamic, but it places a very, very strong responsibility on, on the life of the, of the priest, and it's to that m- particular ministry that the seminarian is being formed.
1: When you think of your own priestly formations at seminary, um, Bishop-elect, do you have a, a particular memory, um, a formative memory of your seminary, seminary years that has kind of carried through to where you are now?
0: My seminary was in the '80s. I um, I started in 1980. Then I was there for two years at St. Peter's in London, Ontario. Then took two years off, and uh, it was the hand of God in that time that brought me to to L'Arche for two years, which was a great experience living in community with with mentally disabled adults. Then back for the last five years. So um, I, I had some very good professors at St. Peter's. Um, that was that was. I, I, I enjoyed learning the faith. I enjoyed. The, the the academic stuff um not the stress of exams of course um other than that what stayed with me from there is 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 the 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 good and even necessity of fraternity um uh that like you get all excited and you get ordained and you jump into your parish life or whatever you got to do and after a while you stop and go hang on now i'm i'm not I'm not just doing this on my own and, and and trusting that God's helping me. I gotta I gotta reconnect with my brothers again because that's part of the part of the strength and part of part of a way of staying true to the spirit as well. So um, yeah, I remember being very being ultimately very well taught, and, and the fraternity was good.
1: What about you, Archbishop?
2: It's a great question, and I, 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 I'm glad to have the opportunity to think back. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I love the studies. At the same time, what I found particularly striking for me and helpful, determinative really in the discernment, were the pastoral experiences. So you always get pastoral assignments uh, throughout the, the course of the academic year. Then there is also a full pastoral year prior to ordination. And, and so, yeah, learning all the theology was, was wonderful, but then to get out and to encounter people in their lived reality with all of their questions with all of their worries with all of their joys with all of their challenges and and to enter into that and i said yeah yeah i want to be with the people i want to stay with the people i want to bring the faith to bear upon their lives um, to help them to grow in hope but also the experience of myself growing in faith and growing in hope because of their witness because of their example because of their fidelity and that this this is where i feel I'm at home. This is where I feel I belong. It was the, so. It was that pastoral dimension that that was decisive for me.
0: I appreciate you mentioning that um, th- those summers and that uh, the uh, formation year. The, the, that's what crystallized everything.
2: That's a great uh, way to put it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, it, we're not called to live in a seminary. We're called in the seminary to, to to then live as a priest. Mm. And you can like the seminary too much. <laughs> Some there are a few that might. And, and that's not what it's about. It's about getting ready. And yeah, those summer experiences and the other spirits just, yeah, they were they were real privileged times of saying, hey, I like this. This is where I belong.
1: Do you think that in the in the present the general and present model in a lot of Western seminaries, Do you think that academics are too emphasized, especially for so many young men who may not be academically inclined, if they had chosen another path, they might've bombed through university and yet to become a priest, you basically are having quite a rigorous philosophical, theological education. And I've heard a couple of friends of mine, younger men who are in seminary and they're like, yeah, I mean, honestly, I want to be a priest, but man, like the academics, I didn't even like writing an essay. Is, is something that I didn't even really attempt in high school, but now it's, it's a deliberate part of my path to becoming a priest. Do, you have any, do either of you have any thoughts on that?
2: Oh, I would say, if anything, it needs <laughs> to be more rigorous. Okay. No, really. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I get the challenge. I get the difficulty. You yeah. want to get out there. You want to serve. You want to you know, be in the trenches with the people and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. At the same time, our culture today is, is facing so, so many and varied, complex questions. Mm. And the Church has a beautiful, rich, deep philosophical, theological tradition rooted ultimately, of course, in God's own revelation. Mm. And the, the, the basic instinct of the Church is that in the person of Jesus Christ, we have both the analysis of what is going on in our lives and the remedy in Jesus. And yet we need to be able, and this is what the church has pondered throughout its 2000 years history. We need, we need need to be able to articulate that in any age, in a way that's going to be intelligible, that people will be able to receive and understand so that in their encounter with Christ, not just an intellectual encounter, but the the encounter of the whole person, they're going to find, they're going to find the reason they're the the one and only source of reason for real hope in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, with the complexity of challenges philosophically, uh, theologically, that are coming at our culture today and continue to just uh, multiply, we need to be able to understand this tradition and understand it deeply, understand it well, so that we can bring it forward. Uh, We're going to have a lifetime of ministry as a priest, Mm. to have a few years of concentrated, rigorous academic training is not too much to ask, and in mm-hmm. fact, it's something that we—it's something that we have to demand of one another if we are in fact to be equipped mm-hmm. to announce the gospel mm-hmm. in our world today.
1: Bishop Elect Gary,
0: I, I agree with that. I remember going off <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going off for, uh, for for extra studies after being ordained six years, and it was a real privilege uh, going off to 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 Rome and. Uh, you know, touching on what we talked about earlier, what, what is, what is the, the, the constant in terms of formation for priests? And there we, we're, we're students from around the world and we're jumping into a postgraduate program in theology. And we're, we're basically all on the same foot because we've, we, we've, we've learned what we needed to learn in our respective seminaries. And, and that's really important. I, I do find we, we have an additional challenge today. And, and that is that Archbishop Smith earlier mentioned the four pillars of, of formation for the seminary. So the human, the academic, the spiritual, and the pastoral. And we do seem to be uh, living with the challenge of having to give more space and time to the human formation. Yeah, amen. Um, the, the, and amen. And so if you need to give more to something... <laughs> it always begs the question, what do you give less to? And, 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 and so that is a bit of a live question. The fact that you brought it up, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Human. But, yeah. Can
1: you define in the seminary context, what do you mean by just like emotional intelligence? And what, what do you mean by the human element?
0: Ultimately uh, maturity and mm. maturity as understand from the Christian understanding of, of the fullness of a of a human life, uh, living the virtues from a place of, uh, well, if you're living the virtues, you're living in the, from a place of peace and strength. That's what that's what the virtues are all about. Um, a lot of a lot of men come to formation now with uh, broken family experiences or with um, having you know perhaps relapsed from the faith for a while and now come back. Um, and, and you know, it's a real gift that they come now with. Um, As Bishop Smith mentioned earlier, the zeal that they have—it's it's awesome. That zeal is awesome. And we want to make sure that that zeal is resting on a solid foundation, as opposed to just a, a new change in their life, but well something said.
2: that
0: can, yep, can can stay.
1: Which is probably just a uh, that's a principle of of uh, maturity in general, eh? Like, it, is this yeah. is this actually a deep uh, shift in the person, or are they just kind of riding a wave of enthusiasm that comes with any exciting shift? Or yep. yeah, yeah, sure. that's interesting. What would you say to? Um, a young man, whether he's in seminary or discerning it, um, who might be intimidated or finding it a little bit off-putting, the the rigors of the academic element uh, of seminary?
0: Well, you know, I would want to first hear him out before I dare to say anything specific in response. Mm. But the background of where I would be coming from is that um, uh, formation is not coddling someone there is a sense of being a test Mm. um they need to be supported in that test they need to be directed in that test but there is a sense of it also being a bit of a test so but i'd want to hear like where the what how is this challenge um difficult for you and and how are you finding your way through it i'd want to make sure i've heard them first before i dare to uh say anything specific
2: just to build on that a bit too i think i think that's a that's a great response um when, when someone is coming to me and they're entering into seminary, pondering it, I'll often say to them, look, you go into the seminary and you've got to go in as an open book. You've got to be totally transparent. And the formation team will work with you, will support you. And if at the end of the day, the church through the formation team discerns that you are being called to the priesthood, thank God, praise God. If it is discerned that you're not being called to the priesthood, thank God. Praise God. Right? But it is a time of discernment. It is a time of testing. right? And so we do want to know, is the person humanly mature and maturing? Is there a, is there a spiritual growth there, a, a solidity? And is a person able to grapple with the academics uh, such that th- there there is a demonstrated proficiency to understand the tradition, grasp it, and to be able to articulate it? It's all part of the discernment process. And there's... There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I just, this is not for me at the end of the day. I just not quite sure if I'm up to this. Th- that's all part of the discernment and say, okay, God love you. God bless you. The Lord clearly has something else in store for you. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. wonderful.
1: You talk about emotional maturity. Um, I know that many, even in my own experience, um, encountering religious communities. I know that. Um, having even like a sense of healing if there's been issues in your life that have caused a certain emotional dysfunction that some communities d- advise and indif- with nuance that those things be resolved before you enter a religious community um, or maybe you have, you know, unresolved tensions with family or something of that sort. Um, is that something that is, if if someone is approaching seminary, let's say, and they have some, you know, clear um unresolved issues to use a broad term um is that a time for them just to kind of turn back and figure it out on their own or is there elements of seminary whether there's a psychologist in the seminary or counseling um that can actually help someone journey through that emotional emotional damage that they may be encountering in their own life
2: it's actually a both and yeah. Um, so there's psychological assessments of seminarians that are done right. so that we can bring yeah. that uh, into dialogue with the whole formation experience. And formation teams are always prepared through psychological assistance or others to to walk with the individual. Um, if at the end of the day, though, whatever the issue might be, is, if it is a particularly deep, serious one that mm-hmm. does need serious resolution before uh, consideration of ordination, then it's... Uh, It's not unusual for the Mm -hmm. seminary to invite the individual to leave the formation process until that is Mm -hmm. fully and properly dealt with. Mm -hmm. There are some other less serious issues that in the course of formation can be dealt with. and So walking with the individual will deal with those too.
1: Yeah, it's very personal. Now, just as we're wrapping up, one thing that's kind of popping into my mind, and Bishop-Elect, I know you've mentioned in previous interviews that spiritual direction is something that is... uh, of great value to you, it's a, 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 a port important to you. I read an article in the BC Catholic <laughs> that oh, mentioned that okay. <laughs> you're quite famous. So <laughs> we're, we're no. getting our information off the internet, <laughs>
2: and we're just making you more famous here. While we're there, the, you go. The <laughs> this is our well, grand well, endeavor. Well, well, glad to be with you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so, <laughs> spirit, dude, but, gonna spiritual direct. That, that,
0: that's going to be a challenge. Um, yeah, uh, a spiritual direction. It's 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 very key in the life of the church that someone who has any kind of temporal authority vis a vis individuals is not to also have uh, the kind of spiritual um, responsibility and even authority that comes with being a spiritual director. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I'm obviously not meant to be a spiritual director to any of my priests. That's just not the role. To be a bishop ah, to them, to be a father to them, but, but but to encourage them to have a spiritual director themselves, but not that, that properly speaking, shouldn't be me. I have no idea how it's going to work out in terms of if there's any lay people that will ask me that, and I'll even, even if I have time for it. I, that's Archbishop Smith. <laughs> The, the, how does that, how does that and, fit
2: no, The bishop is in a new role now, and the bishop always has to be free to be able to act on information that comes to him, um, whether it's priest or the lay people. And the bishop can't be doing anything that's going to compromise that freedom. And for that reason, the bishop ah. is not a spiritual director to other individuals and certainly not a confessor, you know, to priests certainly. Because ah, yeah. what is okay. heard in spiritual direction, what is heard in confession has to remain there mm-hmm and cannot be acted upon. So the bishop, if he's in those positions of receiving that kind of information, his hands are tied. Of he course. cannot act on it. So it's for that reason that we do not do spiritual direction. And uh, um, I, will, I will occasionally, of course, hear confessions at, at pilgrimages and these sorts of things. But if I'm, if I'm dealing with uh, employees of the diocese, or priests above all, then no, I don't enter into those uh, interactions at all.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Yep. do bishops generally have spiritual directors like will you have oh sure one going, yeah oh, absolutely yeah oh yeah <laughs> you're just laughing at me <laughs> yeah, no, well i haven't yeah, had yeah. any experience as a bishop so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and i don't anticipate that i will Well, yes so that's right I we, gotta have, ask. we have
2: we have all the answers we're really not supposed to need all this help right so, yeah, exactly no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that, that was one of the things that impressed me right off the bat um, being named in the middle of september then the the bishops across Canada have their their plenary Mm-hmm. Meeting their full, their full gathering later in the month, um, the fraternity amongst the bishops. Just the fact that there's a real connectedness and support for one another. I, w- I was uh, that that was very heartwarming. It's,
2: it's very really real. It, it's a it's a good episcopal assembly here in Canada for sure.
1: Well, and one of the reasons I thought about your uh, connection and the value that you place on spiritual direction is because even connected to our discussion about seminaries. I'm sure. Um, and I've even uh, experienced this in my own vocational discernment where um, you have a, a sign or a sense that God called you to something. So maybe before you've even begun the formal discernment process, and I've talked to friends who have gone into seminary where you believe God is calling me to a priest. I had an experience where I heard a voice or I got a sign or something happened that made me feel, feel in my heart, very sure that I'm supposed to do this, uh, carry through with this vocation. Um, and And... So if, if someone's in that position, um, especially a young adult who is about to begin the, the formal process of discerning a vocation, how what is uh, some words of wisdom that you might have for them with grappling with this strong feeling or sign that they're carrying in their heart, but the fact that there's they're still quite a long bridge of formal discernment. I mean, you don't skip that just because you have this strong sign or vision that you're carrying within you, right?
0: Well, I, I guess the first way I would try to to, to bring that out is it, it's not in, unlike a marriage. I mean, one person might feel very strongly that you're meant to be my partner, but <laughs> the other person has to have the same feeling and decision. <laughs> wow. And, then, and, yeah.
1: That,
2: would, that really brings it home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's communal be, discernment yeah. right there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, so allow the church to which you uh, um, wish to be, you know, uh, Many many religious women will will speak of being brides of Christ. Uh, priests are married to the to the church in a certain way. Archbishop Smith, you see his ring right there. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a mutual thing. Um, mm.
2: Yeah, and in it's, and it's scripture we're we're taught you know always discern the spirits. Mm-hmm. You know don't, don't don't put yourself in a position of just automatically trusting yourself. No no, mm. everything's got to get tested. Mm-hmm. Everything does. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, our producer Matthew.
2: I have a question. Um Your grace, and now Bishop Elect, Bishop get elect. ready whenever Matthew chimes in like this. All right, mm-hmm. just get ready whenever. It's a bomb You know. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, something's That's coming. Right. That's right. Okay, I'm, I'm
0: bracing myself Brace you yourself, yeah. "That's right." Uh,
2: poking my head behind <laughs> behind the curtain saying, "Hey, my question." I'm um, here. Yeah. So, Bishop Elect, uh Gary, you are moving from Vancouver, a giant metropolis, to The Diocese of St. Paul, a very rural diocese, right, spread out. What do you anticipate as the unique challenges you may face in the Diocese of St. Paul and unique opportunities at the same time?
0: Uh, Well, I guess the the challenge will be uh, driving in wintertime. That will be something new for me. (laughs) Um, Opportunity and just positives. Um, It it, it took me an hour and a half to get back from the Pastoral Center to my parish yesterday because of one car accident. And the drive normally can be under half an hour, um, so yeah, it, it's uh, sometimes the success of a city becomes its own um, its own challenge. You know, traffic and, and other issues within cities are, are quite are quite burdensome and, and dehumanizing. Um, my high school summers, I worked on my godparent's dairy farm, and I, I enjoyed rural living a lot. Mm. And so, coming to St. Paul, um, yeah, okay, winters are long but everyone else there manages to do it. So I look forward to learning how to do it. And being in the country, th- that's that's just fine with me.
2: Well, you'll soon realize that an hour and a half drive is not long <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> Over here, that's really? just around the corner.
1: But at least here you're getting somewhere significant. <laughs> exactly. I mean, an hour exactly. and a half of driving, you're covering a lot of territory. Yep. Yep.
2: <laughs> One thing, too, about the well, cold in Alberta is that As they say in the desert, it's a dry heat. In Alberta, it's a dry cold, you know, as opposed to Vancouver where it's a very wet, (laughs) bone-chilling cold. We call that Alberta rationalization. (laughs) (laughs) That's right.
1: It's a special skill of ours.
0: (laughs) But, hey, just just come on out here for, you know, two or three degrees, a little bit of wind and rain, and just realize how how, how much that that, that can uh, be uncomfortable. Um, Of course, I've, I've... I've got St. Paul on my app in terms of the weather, and so it was minus twenty-five yesterday. And uh, it yeah, is again that, that today, just be. to let
2: you know. Yep, <laughs> it is again now as as we're recording this podcast.
1: I'm yeah. wearing my jacket in the studio because the the wind chill is creeping through the walls.
0: <laughs> now you're scared of me. Now you're scared.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, listen, Bishop Like Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to be here, and uh, welcome, welcome, thank welcome you. to Alberta. And we certainly look forward, it's clear that you've got a lot of wisdom, and a lot of gifts that you're going to bring to the, the church here in Alberta. And I'm certainly, as a brother bishop, really looking forward to working with you, collaborating with you, learning from you, and walking together with you as we serve the people of God here.
0: Dr. Smith, thank you. I, I thank you for your welcome and, and being on this podcast. And look forward to being home in a week or so when I, I'm driving up uh, next week. Wednesday and Thursday I'll do it in two days so yeah
1: yeah we'll all be there I think all, all three of us will be at your Episcopal ordination on the, on the 12th oh. so we're looking forward to seeing you and and being there for that okay. moment yeah
0: we'll, we'll, we'll see you then excellent mm-hmm.
2: fantastic
1: yeah. absolutely well God bless you and see you later and thank you to everyone who has tuned in today thank you so much for listening to the podcast and please keep a bishop elect franken in your prayers as he approaches his episcopal ordination on december 12th this may be published after the fact but I pray for him now and in the future and thank you for listening and tune in next week